Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. It is uh, seven minutes after the hour. Uh, I am not going to uh, dwell on uh, this topic. I'm just going to throw it out there very quickly. The uh, whole FTX com- uh, uh, collapsing. I had uh, read a story on the air about how the, uh, the the amount of money that this guy gave to the Democrats and uh, one particularly per, uh, per, uh, perspicacious Republic, or listener said, you know, the money he allegedly gave to Republicans, I wonder if he gave that money to those candidates the Democrats wanted to win in the primary. Good point, uh, and I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, but it's ill-gotten gains, and a lot of people got ripped off. A lot of people are owed a lot of money. In the meantime, we move back to Jennifer Bukowski. She is on with us. Josh Hawley, is he right? The old party is dead. Time to bury it and build something new. Is it salvageable? I think that's a little bit of a hyperbolic way of phrasing it. And Hawley has a vision for the party that I don't align with completely. But I do think that he was right that we needed to be about something. This is a talking point that we've heard from a lot of people. Democrats have things like, hey, student loan forgiveness. Hey, we'll legalize abortion nationally. All these things. And Republicans didn't as much have the substantive issues. Uh, The one thing I agree with that Josh Hawley mentioned specifically that we should be for is energy, you know, unleash American energy, regain our energy independence. Well, hang on. Let's let's just hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's just hear what he had to say in its entirety. Well, we need good, strong, independent leadership that actually listens to voters and doesn't just listen to the Washington lobbyists. And I'll just tell you, when it comes to the GOP, the Washington Republicanism that cares more about Wall Street than it does about working people, it's time for that to come to an end. The, the Washington Republicanism that's all about adventures abroad, the neoconservatism of these global wars, not focused on working people in this country, it needs to come to an end. I think what voters are asking us to do is pretty clear. Secure our streets. You know, let's put new cops on the street, 100,000 of them. Secure the borders. Stop the indoctrination of our children and bring jobs back to this country. It used to be you could support a family on one good wage. You can't do that anymore in this country because of the ruinous trade policies that unfortunately both parties have supported. That has got to come to an end. Republicans have got to be the party of working people and working class culture. That's what we're fighting for. Wow. Um, you know, I disagree with him on, on a lot of things and some things even in that speech I, I disagree with. Um, if you ask me, Americans could live on one family could live on one job if we didn't tax the crap out of them. Their cars, their houses, their income. Um, and, and then devalue the money that they've earned. Just right. saying. With the historic inflation and things like that. I agree with him on these adventures abroad. And that we need to be focused on America. And uh, he said in this uh, Real Clear Politics article that, you know, energy independence needs to be part of it. I'll tell you one thing, I keep bringing this up, but I'm not seeing any Republicans mention it. I think it's something that you can win uh, new voters to your side with, though, is nuclear power. Like, man has already invented this clean solution that actually works, unlike wind and solar, who have a lot of, both have many flaws and are unreliable, to, you know, the emissions problem that could be affecting the climate. It's called nuclear power plants, and it's cheap and it's reliable, and 
there are really not a lot of downsides to it. Why aren't we talking? If you really think the world's going to end in X many years, why aren't you building plants, nuclear power plants right now? I think if we start putting the facts out there about that, that could perk the ears up of people who are worried about the environment and not make that a solely leftist issue because it's, you know, good for the economy. We almost got those micro uh, reactors 10 years ago in Callaway County that would have been huge for our local economy. I think we need to be focused on getting things like that in the running because it takes like 16 years for one of those plants to get up and running. Here in China, it takes no time, but here... 16 years, so we need to start getting those things in the works right now. Well, in China, they're using coal-powered uh, power plants, and they're they using are, the electricity from coal. A lot of micro-nuclear plants over there, because they don't have the burdens and the regulation and the resistance that they do here. Well, they're, they're using the coal-generated electricity to build solar panels that they sell to us, uh, which strikes me as kind of ridiculous. Uh, as far as the nuclear power, there are people out there who are afraid of it. Uh, they're concerned about the nuclear waste. What do you do with it? It lasts for a million years. Uh, they're concerned that a attack from uh, any uh, any country that hits one of those could, you know, create some kind of cascading nuclear fallout. So there are people out there who have a lot of com- a lot of uh, concerns, valid or not. Uh, And my guess is that's what they would hide behind if we started promoting nuclear power. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, no one died uh, with the Three Mile Island incident. No one died with Fukushima. Like, it doesn't actually kill people. Chernobyl, it was a few people, but, like, over the course of having these power plants, it's, like, negligible the amount of lives... Meanwhile, you know, uh, people probably more people have died from windmills than a nuclear power plant. I'm, I'm going to look that up, but it's definitely possible. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure about that statistic, but I'm going to uh, look it up. I'm, I wouldn't surprise me if that were the case. Or solar, you know, falling off the roofs from cleaning floor panels and all these other things. Governor Pence uh, may actually throw his hat in the ring. Uh, Vice President Pence, I should say, former governor. Uh, against Donald Trump. I got to tell you, I I like Mike Pence. I think he's a nice guy. But I don't see him as an aggressive fighter. Um, I don't think he can win. Not just against Trump, but in general. Right. I'm wondering, so he's saying this on the eve of Trump's big announcement tonight, which apparently Trump is going to announce tonight that he's running for president. And uh, But he keeps bringing up January 6th in this. And I do think that Pence did the right thing um, when it came to January 6th. He didn't have researched this independently. He did not have any power to stop. You know, he had a, a ministerial function of overseeing the collection of the, the electoral votes. He didn't have any power to stop that. And after he was the most loyal vice president, I saw it time and time again because I saw Pence speak many times in person and on TV, and he was always so loyal to Trump, always gave Trump credit for absolutely everything, and was such a supportive vice president and a good, you know, personality balance for our president at that time. For Trump to throw him under the bus like that and call him a coward and everything else, it was just completely inappropriate. So I understand why he's bitter about that, 
but I'm wondering what his plan is because I don't really see him having uh, a whole lot of momentum to win a primary. And so I, I wonder if he's just trying to get more pressure on Trump not to announce tonight. We'll have to wait and see and find out because there's something else going on here. I think besides him really being serious about a run, but it looks like if he is going to run, he's going to talk about January 6th. And I've, we've already heard a lot about that. And I think people are tired of it, but Pence, you know, he did the right thing on January 6th and that tough moment. And so we shall see. But what do you think of Pence, Gary? I, I think he's a nice guy and I think he's principled. I think he'd, did his job well as vice president. Uh, I don't see him as a particularly uh, good presidential candidate. Uh, and I don't think uh, if he throws his hat in the ring, he'll be anything but embarrassed. Uh, he needs you to- know, I don't understand how he was such a big radio guy in Indiana because I've seen him speak and it's just kind of a snooze test. And so I can't imagine people tuning in for the guy, but... Uh, maybe he was more entertaining back in the day. I don't know. You'd be surprised what talk radio hosts can do. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, I don't want to, you know, toot my own horn, but uh, and uh, there is, um, I think, a lot of uh, Republicans, and I've I've heard I've gotten messages from them who were Trump fans until he literally went out and attacked uh, the governors of Virginia and Florida unprovoked uh, I think that irritated a lot of them and they realized that he's not running to do what's best for the country he's running for his ego yeah I mean we had the Georgia Senate race where he told people not to bother voting the runoff last time which caused us the balance of the Senate <laughs> uh, yeah you had a number of things where uh, it does look like it's all about him loyalty works one way with him you know, if he's their nominee, I will be voting for him for a third time. There's no question about it. But I think a lot of people are ready for DeSantis or someone like that to step up instead. All right. So if uh, you're uh, running for the race in Senate uh, for the Senate in uh, Georgia, um, who do you call to come out and help DeSantis or Trump? Why not both? <laughs> because I think Trump actually alienates independence. I think ah, DeSantis yeah. energizes the base and doesn't alienate independence. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you try to get DeSantis there. But, I mean... Trump's how Walker got that nod to begin with, but I guess he's already got it. So why bring him back over? Well, Trump has pulled. You just alienate people. And that's how, you know, they tag Laxalt and Nevada with Trump, you know, and so that hurt him. Well, you can't forget that Trump's support inside the Republican Party is different than his support outside the Republican Party. So he can affect the outcome of primaries. But he can also affect negatively the outcome of general elections. I would hope that Walker would would get uh, DeSantis to come up and support him. Yeah, uh, and yeah, Tim Scott out of South Carolina. How was Condoleezza Rice doing? You know, <laughs> get our 
our respected black Republicans out there for him as well, because that is going to be a factor. I wonder, without Abrams on the ticket this time, if the black women will be as motivated to get out and vote, because they are the most reliable Democrat uh, voter. And uh, I wonder if that'll have any kind of impact, because it's two black candidates and there's no black woman out there uh, on the left. So I have no idea how that one's going to go, but it's not nearly as important now. As well, it, it is important. When we might have won. It, uh, it, it would have been better if they had uh, taken the Senate, but they at least have power sharing right now that they won't if Walker loses. So it is important. It's very important. <clears throat> All right, coming up with Jennifer Bukowski, Iran uh, and their promise of, of executions. And enough with the Elon hate. Coming up, the Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 23 minutes after 11 o'clock. Jennifer Bukowski is with us. And uh, we're talking about uh, the election and uh, lessons learned. And uh, we're going to move a little bit further down the road here and talk about, and if you call it a whole other continent, uh, about Iran uh, and their plans for execution. Wow, that's a pretty uh, large swath of the population they intend to eliminate, isn't it? It's really just horrific, Gary. So they have a repressive regime over in Iran. 22-year-old Masa Amini was killed by the morality police for having like a strand of hair hanging outside her mandatory hijab and the people rose up and have been protesting ever since that happened on september 16th 15,000 have been arrested hundreds have been just murdered by uh the cops in iran on the streets these protesters are getting shot in the face and everything else including that girl it was like a meme that would went viral where she put her hair up in the ponytail to go off and protest, she got shot in the face and killed. So they've already killed hundreds of these. A lot of them are kids um, protesting. They've arrested 15,000, and their parliament just voted by an overwhelming majority to execute all 15,000 of these people. It's horrific. All they're doing is asking for basic rights, women, life, freedom, that they don't want mandatory jobs. Well, they also say death the comedian. Down with the, they want the regime to come to an end. It's a revolution, but it is just astonishing. And the international community needs to speak up and say, "Look, you can't just execute fifteen thousand people for protesting you." Um, you know, this could turn around and backfire uh, on them. Uh, this kind I of hope uh, so. like, it's a little tough to know in advance. Uh, by the way, uh, in a few minutes, because uh, I tried to do this once an hour, and we still have a few seats left, uh, the uh, Christmas dinner at CC City Broiler will be on the 18th at noon. I will give you details on how you can make reservations. It is filling very fast. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to that in a few minutes. In the meantime, Elon Musk. Enough with the Elon hate, Jennifer says. Yeah, this is one thing that I have. I'm just over this, Gary. You know, Elon Musk, as you know, for years now has been one of my favorite humans on the planet, going to Mars, building rocket ships, building amazing vehicles like my Tesla. The tunnel thing, I don't quite understand, but he's got artificial intelligence. And now he's using his wealth 
and he's bought Twitter because he believes in free speech and having this platform. He's making some changes, and he's getting so much flack for it, even though Twitter's always been kind of a mess and always had issues. But the demonization of Elon Musk is just unbelievable to me, uh, the hatred towards him. You know, so so what he has to fire some employees and he's going to charge eight bucks a month for a check mark. The company's losing money. He can't keep all of the employees. And he do these people think that they could run Twitter better? Did they buy Twitter? It's not their company. You know, it just drives me crazy because he is just such a wonder right now. One of these geniuses that's living in our time. And I'm just so sick of people that are just giving him nothing but grief when he's doing this kind of out of the goodness of his heart, you know? And uh, I think they're really mad because they don't have total control uh, over the narrative next time if Elon owns Twitter, like they did to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story or whatever else, like they did in 2020. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, they're making a big deal about him uh, firing employees, but they're not making a big deal about Facebook firing employees or Bezos firing employees. Yeah, exactly. Amazon, Microsoft is laying tons of people off. Uh, it's a bad economy. There are layoffs all over the place. And uh, they aren't making as big of a deal of that or saying that there's some nefarious intent. So just an hour ago, it broke that like 10 people got fired for uh talking crap about Elon in the company's Slack channels last night. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just something that's popping up on Twitter an hour ago here. But, you know, like, why are you trash-talking Elon while you're working at Twitter, while people are being let go? Maybe you should, like, lay off him for a minute here because there's just so much disloyalty that one can take there at this time. And it's clear, like, a lot of the employees there have it out for him. And I don't blame him one bit for getting rid of him and cleaning house because you'll have a stronger team for it where you can have that trust for people to criticize Elon. I'm sure he's got a thick skin and he can handle it, but I don't have sympathy for people who decided to trash talk him in the last couple of days on their Slack channel, given everything else that's going on. Well, time will tell how that turns out. It, uh probably is not the best investment he could have made but it was um, not no he's gonna lose money on it but he did it for the benefit of like humanity so that we could have the free speech in a forum and uh, he believes in what twitter was supposed to be about and so he did it to do a nice a good deed and you know bezos bought the washington post like, uh, these billionaires can have their vanity projects, and I'm very glad that Elon bought Twitter, and I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him, too. Jennifer Bukowski, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Gary, and sign me up for the 18th. I'll be there. You want to be there? All right, we'll, we'll make room for you. Awesome. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. Jennifer Bukowski on The Gary Nolan Show. I'll give you details if you want to come to the dinner at CC's. I'll, I'll do that in just a few minutes. Uh, are we going to head in the same direction as Japan? And I actually think that could happen in particular in Colombia. But it would be a, a real... In-, in fact, I think we're almost there in Colombia. Well, I'll tell you what Japan is doing uh, in about uh, three or four minutes. But I don't, it wouldn't surprise me if we end up down this road... In Columbia, Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network.
This is the Gary Nolan Show. It is uh, 35 minutes after 11 o'clock. Um, there's some interesting stories here in the news, Brian. We were talking about the battery-powered cars. I'm stunned. This comes from CNBC. Electric vehicles less reliable because of newer technologies. Yeah, I mean, you would think that NBC would be like 100% in the tank on this. I'll get to that in a minute. But here's what I fear uh, Columbia is headed toward. Uh, that uh, Japan is, is already there. The Japanese government wants the power to adjust temperatures of privately owned heating and air conditioning units. The goal of the move by the Ministry of Economy, Trade and Industry is to reduce power shortages in peak hours, which the government believes will grow as it shifts to renewable sources of energy. Did you get that last part, my global warming friends? The government believes this will be a bigger problem as they shift to renewable sources of energy. Translation, renewable energy is not dependable, unlike anything else that we've got. And so we're going to take control of your thermostat. It wouldn't surprise me. Did you not, Brian, at your house have a device put on that yes, controlled? Uh, probably 10 years ago or so, the city of Columbia offered a discount to people that uh, choose to allow the city to take control of your air conditioning system in the event of a peak alert. And they would regulate it and therefore give you a, a slight discount in, uh, in rates. And... Uh, when I first moved there, I wondered what the device was because I didn't give permission for them to put that on there. And I called the city and they said, no, they have to have your written permission to do that before it's installed. And I said, no, I never was given, I never gave that permission. Long story short, I ended up having them come and remove it. But yeah, they were doing that, but it was voluntary. Won't be long uh, in the city of Columbia... And that's what they'll be doing. They'll be mandating it. But the interesting part of this is the only reason they're doing it in Japan is because they don't trust they'll be able to generate enough electricity during peak hours when they go green. Wake up, America. This green energy thing is a load of horse manure. It's not going to change the temperature of the globe. It's not going to make electricity uh, more dependable. It's going to make it less dependable. people make me crazy. Uh, electric vehicles among the least reliable cars and trucks in the automotive industry, according to Consumer Reports, ranking le uh, released Tuesday. Reliability issues with electric vehicles expected uh, were expected since most automakers, with the exception of uh, Tesla, launched fully electric models uh, in recent years. Uh, a survey of owners of more than 300,000 vehicles uh, make predictions about the reliability of the 2023 model uh, vehicles. They're among the least reliable. When compared with hybrid and gas-powered cars, electric, uh, electric vehicles powered entirely by batteries, the worst-performing segment, aside from traditional full-size pickup trucks, um, according to Consumer Reports. Reliability issues with electric vehicles expected since most automakers, with the exception of Tesla, are kind of new at this, uh, but they uh, they apparently are being sold to uh, 
people who are into tech, into high tech, but they are not particularly dependable. Oops, just another problem. To the phones we go, 874-9390-800-529-5572. John, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Thank you. You brought up some pretty good topics here, Gary. Now, what do we think about things that use electricity that's not needed? Um, cell phone towers, refrigerators that are controlled by the whatever, that they could shut your refrigerator off for a little bit of time. Maybe elevators in buildings so you'd have to climb the stairs. Uh, where would this... I mean, it's got great potential. What, what, what you you dropped out? Where would what? Where would it end? I mean, if they start shutting things off to conserve on energy, could they shut the elevators off in buildings and then people have to climb the stairs? Oh yeah, they uh, can your, do anything they want. Your refrigerator, cell phone towers, anything that's consuming electricity that they deem not needed. Yeah. Yep. That's. See? That's what they could do. They control the horizontal hold. All right, John, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free 800-529-5572. Now, if, uh, and I said I would do this uh, right after the uh, right at the bottom of the hour, uh, but I got carried away. The, uh, the CC's Christmas dinner is going to be on the 18th. That's a Sunday, the Sunday before Christmas. And uh, we're almost full already. We've, we've mentioned it a total of four times over the last, uh, you know, once an hour uh, since yesterday. And if you want to go to the dinner, um, just send me an email. You can uh, go to GaryNolan.com, send me an email. It'll, it'll show up here. Uh, or you can, uh, if you've already got my email, you can do it uh, the other way. But here's what I need. I need to know your name, your phone number. I need to know your email address and how many people. You send that to me, I will make sure you have a seat uh, for the Christmas dinner. I don't know who we're going to get to speak yet. I haven't, uh, I haven't even contacted anybody. Uh, we tried last year to get, uh, to get Kevin in, and at the last minute it fell through. Something came up, and he couldn't make it. But we will get somebody in that will be interesting and fun. Uh, and uh, the speakers, well, we try to hold them down to just a few minutes, 10, 15 minutes at the outside. Because there's nothing worse than sitting around listening to somebody talk and talk and talk when you're waiting for dinner, especially at CeCe's. So that's what you have to do to get in. Send me your name, the number of people, phone number and email, and we'll make reservations for you. Uh, they will open up at 12 o'clock noon on the 18th to let listeners in, and then they'll close and lock the doors and it'll just be us. Great way to network and meet new friends. Uh, I love doing it. Uh, we love uh, meeting all of you. And uh, I don't know, just one of my favorite things to do in the during the year. Uh, what do we have? Somebody with a battery-powered car? What is, is, how do you pronounce that, Brian? Charcy? Charcy, yes. Charcy. Hi. Hi, Charcy. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I am well, thank you. Good. I just wanted to chime in on that electric car thing, and uh, with I agree, the only thing I can think of when I look at them is the power wheels that, you know, Toys R Us sells, Walmart sells. I'm, I'm seeing grown-up size power wheels on the road, and just like with just like with your power wheels, they tell you you can't let that battery get cold or it'll die, and, and you got to replace it regularly. How do you dispose of that battery? 
you really can't. There's no safe way. Well, what about the grown-up version of the power wheels? It's the same thing. You can't let that battery get cold. Plus, it's going to take up a lot more power, just like you were saying. It's not going to go easy on our electricity. And who's going to pay that bill? Yeah. Because uh, it's certainly not going to be the CEO of the adult-sized power wheels, now, is it? Every time you see one of those ads for it, they go 400 miles. Realize that they only do that once. Uh, if you're on a long yeah. rod, uh, ride, uh, when that uh, battery needs recharged, it ain't going to 100%. It's going to 80%. 80%. And then, it, then it's going to go down even more to 50% till it, till, till it doesn't charge again. And then what, you're out $70,000 and you have to go get another car. Well, what, what's going to happen with that car? What's going to happen with that battery? Yeah, uh, like we now know that it takes about 100,000 miles to break even on CO2. That's from the manufacturer of these battery-powered cars. So you got to drive it for a long time before you're doing no harm or less harm. Um, so, all right. Still, what, what happens when it gets too cold and it doesn't want to charge? Well, it'll charge no matter how cold it is. It just won't last long. Uh, if, yeah. if you turn on the heat in a battery-powered car, you use electricity uh, to heat up the, the coil. So yeah. you get even less mileage out of them. They're just a lousy idea. I don't know why they're so hung exactly. up on it. So, like, if you're traveling and you're out in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden it gets cold, it's wintertime, your battery runs down because you're running the heater, and all of a sudden you die, and there's not a charging station in sight. Uh, yeah, they they will. They've got software to tell you where the charging stations are, and it often <laughs> updates how many miles you've got to go. But you better keep your eye on it. Charcy, thank you for the call. Yeah, glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Um, Mike, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I haven't heard anybody talk about what the electric vehicle drivers are going to be doing to pay their fair share of the highway maintenance. You know, the highways are paid for by a gas tax. And since those guys don't use any gasoline, where where does their fair share of the highway maintenance come from? I think they do pay a higher rate, uh, but they do more damage to the roads than a regular car because they weigh much more. Uh, they also a higher, rate of, a higher rate of what? Oh, when, when they uh, buy their vehicles, they pay a higher rate? Well, for the that, taxes, yeah. Well, At least but, as I but understand. that doesn't account for the continuing gasoline tax money that keeps coming in throughout the life of a gasoline-powered car. I mean, we pay a lot of gasoline tax that supposedly is for highway maintenance. I just don't see where the where that share is coming from on the on the electric cars. It can't possibly all be loaded in at the on the price new. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure there is uh, an extra fee in there somewhere. I've got a friend of mine that has a battery-powered vehicle, and I'll ask that friend uh, what uh, what fee. But it wouldn't surprise me if they get a deal because they're they're getting battery-powered cars yeah. instead of. All right, Mike. Thank you, sir. Good observation. Okay. It is 11:52. Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. I am not uh, sure if this is official. Uh, but uh, it appears that a Republican has won in Arizona's 6th Congressional District. Uh, Juan Sismani, a Republican, wins uh, election 
U.S. House, Arizona, 6th District. That uh, If that is the case, then uh, the battle over the House of Representatives is over. The Republicans have it. Uh, the good news is they now control the purse strings. I don't know about you, but I think that's good news. If they have the principles uh, that uh, they need to stand up for what's right, we at least will stop the progress uh, towards socialism. And that's and when they say progress, uh, progress, that's what they mean. They're progressive ever closer to socialism, uh, which you know translates to essentially uh, ever closer to the failure of the republic. So it's good news. Uh, let's hope the Republicans use this uh, position uh, to really stop that. By the way, I was watching a piece over on Fox News about progressive becoming a bad word. If that's the case, it's the second time in about 100 years that progressive was a bad word. Because that's where they started. They, they started off on the left calling themselves progressives uh, back in the late 1800s. Uh, and then eventually it, it, it became such a bad word. It, it became politically such a liability that they began calling themselves liberals. And they held on to that and didn't belong. It, it, it really was a, a, a perversion of a liberal. But they, they, they seized that mantle and called themselves that and held on to that until about the 1980s when Ronald Reagan made you know, clear what, what they were. And liberal became a bad word. I'm a classical liberal, and unless I explain it to the average person, they think I'm a Democrat. But when Reagan exposed it, it became a bad word, and they went back to progressive. And now it appears that people understanding what progressives are, progressive has become a bad word again. I don't know where they go from here. Uh, maybe they just call themselves morons. I don't know. Uh, but that's what the uh, Democrat political party is doing. In the meantime... Uh, news out of West Virginia. Representative Alex Mooney, Republican, West Virginia, announced today that he is going to run for the Senate in 2024 in a bid to unseat Joe Manchin. Manchin faced his toughest challenge in 2018 when he won by only 3% and could face a tight challenge from Mooney as West Virginia grows increasingly Republican. The moderate Democrat faced uh, criticism within his party as a swing vote to 50-50 Senate during the last two years. Now, why is this important? Because depending on how he sees his future, he either legislates as the progressive that he really is, or he sticks to his guns and stops the Democrat uh, majority in the Senate. When I say majority, that's with the uh, the vote of this the uh, uh, vice president. If he abandons the Democrat Party, if he realizes you know he's not getting what he wants, and he wants to run for re-election and have even a snowball's chance in hell, then he needs to defy the Democratic Party and support the Republicans, and that would give them uh, a fifty-one forty-nine edge over the. Uh, over the Democrats. Another part of this computation is Georgia. 
Warnock has to lose in Georgia for this to work. So there are lots of cards in play here, and uh, we can only hope that it it turns out uh, so that there is enough gridlock to stop the president. Left to his own means, he will destroy the republic. Although I don't think he's being left to his own means. I think left to Barack Obama's own means, Biden will wreck the, the republic. Uh, so, anyway, that's the, uh, the, uh, the politics as I see it in that race. Very quickly, I talked to listeners about six months ago about getting rid of DirecTV and using the Internet for TV. And we did that. Uh, when we moved, uh, I got rid of uh, DirecTV. I got YouTube TV, Paramount and one other. I can't remember what the other one is. Um, but I got to tell you, I am not as crazy about it uh, as some of you were. Some of you really love the idea. I'm not saying it's it's unlivable. It's, it is livable. But it's not as easy uh, as DirecTV. Brian, you still have DirecTV, don't I you? I do, yeah. Um, it's the menu system, I think, because I kind of did some research and it would just cause all kinds of pandemonium in the house because, you know, the uh, the Internet, you have to up your bandwidth and the amount of data that you use because we are on a cap before they start charging you more. And as soon as you start streaming more programming, <laughs> there goes the cost of Internet. It's like, you know what, I'm just going to leave it alone for now, make sure that I get the best discount I can, and I just left it at that. Well, I've I've been doing it now for a little over a month, and one of them, I think Paramount, I paid for a year in advance. Oh wow! To get the better uh, better rate, and I am seriously thinking of going back and, and getting a the satellite. It just it was just easier. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Make some sure people, you call to get your discounts. Yeah. Uh, now, do they get around to raise... Do they raise your price? Uh, they raise the price once a year, and you always have to call in and say, hey, I'm going to cancel unless you bring it back down, and they usually do, and it's just a big pain. But that's the cost of doing business, I guess. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.